You're listening to a podcast from Grace Church in Salado, Texas. For more information and resources just like this, visit us online at gracesalado.com. I invite you to turn into your copy of Scripture and Psalm to Psalm 19. It's where our reading is going to be from today. Like Tim said earlier, if you weren't in here, if you do not have the copy of Scripture and you want to have a hard copy of Scripture with pages and paper, you know, like old school, uh, and you don't have one of those, then just take that Bible in front of you on the pew. It's our gift to you. Psalm 19, we're going to look at the first six verses today. To the choir master, a psalm of David. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom, leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the ends of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. This is the word of the Lord. God speaks. God reveals. He is a speaking God. He is a revealing God. These are just a few short verses inspired by God or from God, inspired to King David to lead us to be in awe of God. And if you're just joining us, we are we had started a series that we are simply calling Grow in Awe, in which we are looking verse by verse through Psalm 19, and then uh, you think we're done, but no, we're not. We're just getting started. That's the on-ramp to Psalm 145, where we are going to go verse by verse through that. And my prayer, uh, unapologetically, is that we would grow in awe of God. And so we are looking at these verses. David, last week, we began the series by saying that we should be following people who lead us in awe of God. We should be listening and learning and following people who are in awe of God. And we must understand these people are not perfect. David was in awe of God. And the moment that he fell, he traded in his awe of God for awe of something else, someone else. Saul, before him, was in awe of God, and then he turned from being in awe of God to being in awe of himself. Eve and Adam in the garden, they had everything. They were in awe of God, and their awe of God went away, and they became all of the one thing that they could not have. We need help daily. Growing in awe of God because we are like Eve and Adam and Saul and David and we can be in awe and then we can walk away and lose the awe of God, replace the awe of God and what we see here 
in this chapter and in Psalm 145 is help to grow in awe of God. And that is my prayer for us. Let's pray that now. And here's real simply what I want you to ask. We, we took communion together. Ask with me, God. Ask him this very simple prayer. Lord, reveal to me, reveal to us anything in our life that is bigger than you. Reveal to me anything in my life that I'm in awe of more than you. And please lead me to repent with joy. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So what we see in these few verses are engaging. They are inspiring to us. We are reminded here in the verses today what creation is saying when it speaks. We learn here when creation speaks. We learn here where creation speaks. We learn here how creation is speaking. And we're going to look at those one at a time, and then we'll come to a time where we have to learn and and ask the question of ourselves, how can we join in the song, and what is disrupting us from being in the song? So let's look at them one at a time. First, what creation is saying. Exactly what is creation revealing? It's pretty simple, right? It's pretty clear, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. The heavens, everything that is beyond our understanding of what we can see, the deep, beyond deep, the beyond deep of everything that we as created human beings are exploring deeper and deeper and deeper everywhere we go, as deep as we can go, as big as the scope can take us, it's all declaring the glory of God. And as everywhere we look, the sky above, all creation, the verse that Sam read is a reminder that everywhere we look is proclaiming the handiwork of God. It is, first of all, revealing his glory. Yes, we are involved in the glory process, but it is his glory that is being revealed. Creation is not revealing the glory of Mother Nature. Don't let me, as your pastor, hear you say, man, Mother Nature, Mother Nature's tricky, isn't it? No, 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 no. Let me hear you say that. No, the heavens, the sky, the weather, everything is declaring the glory of God. The creation is not revealing the glory of wealthy kings. It is, creation is not declaring the glory of wealthy kings with vast armies as their power and their authority bring others into submission. No, all of those have been given to them by God. Creation is not revealing the glory of nations. Because the rise and fall of nations is under the hand of a sovereign God, the creator. No, the heavens declare the glory 
of God. And the sky, in one way, the the creation is declaring the glory of God. It's pointing out its handiwork. Look at me. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims something. His work, his handiwork. What we can notice from this, if we just take the time to be still and recognize who God is, we can look and see his handiwork in creation. Last week, I told us that we we need to follow people that are in awe of God, and they help us grow in our awe of God. And, and a, a group of those people that have helped me are these imperfect people called the Puritans. And if you want to just sort of dive into people who were in awe of God, uh, it helps to kind of go back to people before technology because they noticed things. They looked up a lot, and so one of those Puritans was a man named Stephen Charnock, and he wrote about 10 attributes that are revealed just in creation. 10 things that you see in what is called the general revelation that is revealed by God. We're just going to list seven of them. He lists that we see in general revelation in creation the power of God. That everything we see, whether it's stars above, the sun baking our face, the grass that's growing, everything was created from nothing. The spoken word of God said, let it be. That's power. We see in creation the wisdom of God, that there's order. As you look at a tree and know that there's roots that go down deep, as you watch people build these big towers and coming together and cranes coming in as you go out into the ocean and see that on the top there's these waves that are doing this and underneath there's this undertow doing this there is this wisdom and variety and creativity from the creator have you seen it do you notice it the creativity and the wisdom of God in creation We see his goodness that in all these things I just mentioned, God is providing exactly what that animal needs, what that land needs, what this world needs, what is needed in the universe, how the orbit happens, how everything is held together is a display of the goodness of God. He did not have to create things, start it, step out of the picture. No, he is holding it all together. We see the immutability of God, that he does not change. One of the things he created is the laws of science, the laws of gravity, for example. What if one day he said, you know what, I'm going to change things up. No more gravity. Or your idea of gravity is going to look different. Instead of being anchored down, you're going to go sideways. He doesn't change. He won't change just because we feel this, vote this way, do this. God never changes creation. General revelation is sharing the message of an unchanging God. We see in creation the eternality of God, that that he existed before all of this. It's kind of linked with the power of God. We see in creation the omniscience of God, that God knows everything that's happening from the dry deserts to there was this picture uh, that uh, Pastor Bill from First Baptist posted on Facebook, and it's the picture of 
you, you all, a lot of you are posting pictures of your, your limbs that fell down because the ice weighed down on it. But, but I saw in this picture all those pictures going on about the trees, and it, it's sad to see all that. But in this picture that Bill posted was every blade of grass in his yard had ice on it. Do you see the picture? Go look it up. Thank him for it. It's a really cool picture. But it was beautiful how he took the picture of the, of the yard and then he put the camera down and you can zoom in and see every little, not, every, not just every limb, but every little blade was covered with some sort of ice. This is an omniscience and a knowing and a, how to, and a power that we can't comprehend unless we see it in his revealed creation. We see Last thing we'll just talk about from Charnock's list is the sovereignty of God that all creation obeys him, sees split when he says split. Think the earth opens up when he says open up. Seas are calmed when he says calm. They are all telling the majesty of God from the dark tunnels of the grub worm to the shooting star, burning itself out with a grand message. Glory, glory, glory. This is what creation is speaking. The what is clear. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. We are invited to behold his glory by the general revelation just in creation that we can be in awe of him. When is this message going out? How often? When does this happen? Verse 2 Again, pretty clear, day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. So when is creation speaking? Every day, every night. This is both a huge encouragement for us and a great warning to us. The encouragement is that there is something new, something fresh, something stable each and every morning. His morning mercies are new every day. Lamentations tells us he will never run out of things to say in creation. Creation is sending the message. It never gets old. It never gets tired. Every day you wake up, there's a message pointing to his glory. As his creation is his handiwork, it's always on display. It's always ready to highlight the creator of life and bring us back to a knowledge of him every day. This is encouragement to us because there might be times when we feel disconnected from God. We're just not feeling it. We, we feel distant from him. We cannot hear him. We wonder uh, God, do you even still want to be talking to me? The answer is wake up, look out. Yes, I want to be talking to you. Look at creation day after day after day after day. I'm saying something to you through my creation for you to see something beautiful. That's encouraging. Yes, the prophets warned that there was coming a drought, a day from hearing from the word of God, and that did happen we're going to get into more of the special revelation, the Word of God, next week. But what an encouragement that day after day after day, the handiwork of God is communicating something to us. It comes as a warning also. This means that there is no escaping His revealing. 
Where can I go from your spirit? If I go into the depths, you're there. If I go to the highest mountain, you're there. If I go into the forest, you're there. Everywhere I go, there is the Lord. And every day and every night, if you are somebody that says, let me just make it through the daytime, eking by, squeaking by, trying to get away with stuff. Let me get to nighttime and do nighttime stuff. Well, night to night reveals knowledge. Finally, the sun is down, but then the stars have a message. The moon has a message. The sound of the owl has a message. The coyotes have messages. All declaring the glory and the handiwork of God. When is he speaking? Day to day pours out speech. Night to night reveals his knowledge. The sky above proclaims, whether it's the sun like a warm tint over your life, or whether it's the stars that are glimmering ablaze day after day, night after night. Glory, glory, glory. Where is this happening? Where is creation speaking? Verse 3, there is no speech there are no words whose voice is not heard. It's talking about creation. It's, it's, it's getting out there. Their voice goes out through all the earth. And the words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun. So all over the place. Most translations might read it this way. There is no speech nor language where their voice, creation's voice, is not heard. Their line has gone out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. One of the people that helped lead me to be in awe of God was a man by the name of Charles Spurgeon. He wrote this about this psalm. He says that this simply means that everyone, everyone may hear the voices of the stars. Many are the language of of the terrestrials, the sun, the moon, the stars. They are God's traveling preachers. They are journeying apostles, confirming those who regard the Lord, and they are circuit judges, condemning those who worship idols. Their teaching is not addressed to the ear and is not uttered in articulate sounds. It's pictorial. It's directed to the eye and to the heart. It does not touch the senses by which faith comes from. Again, we're going to get into that next week. And then he quotes Romans 10. For faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. But there is this general revelation of God sending out the stars, sending out the sun, sending out creation to say, come to me, notice me. I have a message for you. Where is creation's message going out? Everywhere his creation is, it's telling a story. Every place there is creation, there is speech. One time I was in Belton, yes, even in Belton. When I was a student at Mayhart and Baylor a long time ago, um, I was, I think my junior year, I was walking from McLean Hall walking back to where the apartments are now. There used to be a trailer park back there, and that's where I lived. And I was walking back there, and every day I was in the Word. I was, 
I would literally be in the Word every day. I had a devotional every day, and I loved it, but there was still this feeling of disconnect. I was in the Word. I was disciplined. I was doing the right things. I wasn't really living in sin that I was aware of, but I was like, God, I just, there's, I just need to know that what I'm reading and what, I, what I'm singing and what I see other people feeling that that you have that for me. I don't know how to ask you to make that clear to me. I just need it. And I'm walking. I remember as if it were yesterday. And I'm walking, and it was like the Holy Spirit told me, look up. And I looked up, and there was a shooting star right at that moment. You might call me narcissistic. I don't care. That was a moment where I knew God's telling me something. Look up. That's in Belton. Fast forward several years later, I'm on a mission trip, the first overseas mission trip, and we flew from Houston, or actually, yeah, Houston to San Fran, from San Fran to Hong Kong, from Hong Kong to Kathmandu. We were going to spend two weeks in Nepal. At that time, in Nepal, the Miles Rebels were um, sort of riling up, and so there was a curfew all across the country. At, At dark, you had to be, like, inside. You couldn't be out on the road. Well, it was my first time to fly overseas, and if you're six foot three, you've had several knee surgeries, sitting in the middle um, of some seats on a 14-hour flight from San Fran to Hong Kong, it's when you're supposed to get your sleep, and I could get no sleep. So we land, and we're supposed to go spend the night, uh, but we land in the daytime, and Jerry, um, our leader, who actually just buried his wife this week, was leading the group, and we're complaining. I'm leading the complaints. I didn't get any sleep, Jerry. I'm tired. I got to talk as soon as we land and get to where we're supposed to go. And he's like, all right, you can sleep in the van. Well, the van was as big as this podium, and there's eight of us there. And I'm like, this isn't working, and the roads at that time were this way. So I am in awe of all these things going wrong And then we got this huge pressure of this curfew, and there's soldiers along the side of the road. Sorry, Mom, I didn't tell you about that, but there was. And and there was this pressure, tons of pressure, that we got to land, we got to speak, we got to be the messengers of God. And I was complaining, and I was overwhelmed with grief. I can't believe I'm here. What's going on? And then as we're traveling, Jerry has the audacity to look over and go, wait, stop. We pull over. And he pays for us to go on a whitewater rafting trip. I'm wearing this. Like, what are you doing? Like, we got a curfew. These guys are going to point their guns at, like, what's going on? And we go through the training, and the whole time, I'm like, I can't believe we're doing this. I've never done whitewater rafting. I've never done this. I'm tired. I'm broken. And then we're cast off from the dock, and about five minutes into the river, I look up. We're at the feet of the Himalayan mountains. And Jerry, after he pushed a couple of us in to wake us up, he did, literally kicked us off the raft and had fun with us. And we're like, this is the cruelest leader ever. He pulls us back into the raft and he said, the people we're talking to have been looking at this revelation day after day after day after day. And they're hearing the invitation and we're here to point them to the one that they're in awe of. What was happening there is I needed creation to send the message to me. Jason, quit being in awe of your weakness. Be in awe of me. 
You don't have to travel to Camp Mandu to see that. You don't have to be walking to a trailer park in Belton to do that. Everywhere, every nation, every people group, every language, and every generation, generation shouldn't be caught up in, well, I need to be hearing it this way. You need to be hearing it that way. You need to feel it this way. No, get outside, look up, and listen to the revelation of God. We notice here not only what he's saying, when he's saying it, we see also how creation is speaking. Verse 2. Day to day pours out speech. The first thing we see in how creation is speaking. is speaking with a flushing overflow of revelation. It pours out the message. God is not shy about his majesty. He's pouring it out everywhere we go. Everything we look at, it's coming. It's pouring out. It's an overflow of glory, glory, glory. How is he doing it? He's doing it with clarity and precision. Of verse 3 and 4, there is no speech nor other words whose voice is not heard. Everything is pointing to him. Do you see it? Do you take time to recognize that the heavens, the sky, creation is declaring and proclaiming these things every day, every night with boldness and he's not shy. He's doing it with boldness and with joy. The voice goes out throughout all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber and like a strong man. They run its course with joy. One of the greatest traditions in our culture that I enjoy is the run out. You know what I'm talking about, sports fans? You seen it? We get crazy with this. Basketball teams, they pick the right song. They're waiting behind the door, and the song goes, and boom, the door comes open, and they come out in formation, and they do whatever weird thing that they choreographed to do. Football players get the right kind of moms and dads to get the right kind of smoke, and they pay money for this thing that they run through, and they get the cheerleaders to line up, and it's this run-through. It's this moment of celebration um, it's the person lining up for the 5K or the Iron Man, and they're lining up and they're ready for the gun. They're ready. Like, this is the moment where they are the most confident, the run out that we were about to put onto this field, we're about to put onto this track a display. That's the canvas. Everything I've been preparing for, everything I've been working for, I'm running it out. My general message of what you're going to see as an athlete is this run out. You're going to see this energy played out in just a second, and that is what creation is for God. It's the run out. It's the, hey, there's something coming. There's a beautiful message, and I want you to grab hold and start looking now at what's happening. It is bold. It is full of joy. This is the boldness 
in the expectation of the bridegroom. Prepared for this moment. Ready for this moment. Longing for this day. Everything up to his life is pointed to this moment where he leads and invites, he invites his groomsmen to join him. Join me in this moment. He invites people as his guests. Sit with me in this moment because you're seeing my face, this boldness, this expectation, and those doors are going to open. And I want everybody in this room or everybody out here attending in this wedding to know that I am not shy at all about how happy I am to receive this bride. The voice goes out throughout all the earth. And when it comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, like a strong man runs its course with joy. Every day, every night, God has a run out with boldness, expectancy, power, and joy. God is saying, here I am. This is my story. Behold the canvas. Do you see it? Can you see it? If it's God's creation and he's so committed and he's this clear and it's this bold and this aggressive, then why do we miss it? Why is the world in the state that it's in? Why are we not living in all of the handiwork? And I think that answer comes to how we respond to the message. First of all, it's how we reject it. We ignore it. We pretend it's not there. We Look down. We ignore the creation, maybe because it's, we're too busy, maybe because it's uncomfortable to really think on it and look into it. Maybe we're just settled into much lesser things. But every day and every night, the run out is happening, and our head is looking down. Our eyes are just rolling back. Oh, ice again, rain again. The sun comes up again. We don't give attention to it. We ignore it. We pretend it's not there. We pretend it's not special. We pretend that it's just something that bores us. What we notice also is either we ignore it or we reassign the message. We pretend that it's not God's message. We ascribe glory to something else. One of those other guys that helps me grow in awe of God is a guy by the name of John Piper, and he wrote an article a few years ago about an article he read in the newspaper that morning about the pistol star. Do you know about the star? The pistol star, it's a cool name. The pistol star was what scientists had just recently discovered, and they discovered this star that is 10 million times more powerful than the sun. And he talked about that. He said, it is 10 times more powerful than the sun that warms my face every day. 10 times more powerful than the sun that holds the earth in orbit. 10 times more powerful than the heat that comes from the sun that melts things, that holds things together. This 
new star is 10 million times more powerful. What Piper went on to write in light of Psalm 19.1, he says, here I am reading this in the newspaper, the discovery of these scientists and, and all the glory that's going to them. He says, no one's acknowledging why the star exists. They're reassigning the message of the pistol star. The pistol star is here to say, aha, you've noticed me. I am here to show the handiwork of the one who created me. And we're reassigning the message of the tree, of the star, of the mountains, of the river to something else, to something lesser. And we're missing it. We're either ignoring it or we're reassigning the message altogether. Listen, this is important. We need to notice the pistol star. We need to notice the governments and the trees and the storms. But we don't need to be in all of them. You know why? Because the God who came to save us came with a message. God says, I am not in awe of the pistol star. I am not in awe of the ice. I am not in awe of Pharaoh's power and money and pyramids. I am not in awe of large walls around Jericho or the people in it. I'm not in awe of any raging sea. I'm not in awe of Babylon. I'm not in awe of big fishes in the sea or fiery furnaces waiting for my people. I'm not in awe of a lion's den full of hungry lions. I'm not in awe of Roman empires or governors or kings or torture treatments. God is not in awe of the French and Chinese and Sudanese and American revolutions. God, listen, is not in awe of Michael Jordan or LeBron or Tom Brady or Patrick Mahomes or the Pistol Star God is not in awe of your child or your grandchild. We are. We reassign the glory due him. And we reassign the glory to children or creation or athletes or empire or disasters. For all of these, God says, these are here to tell my handiwork, whether it's a star or a fishing tournament or a game or whatever. We miss seeing it because we ignore it. We miss seeing it because we reassign it or we miss seeing it because we just replace it altogether. We rewrite the message of creation. And by reassigning it, we show ourselves what is most important in our lives. It's not the creator, but it's us. In Romans chapter 1, here's what Paul says. For the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and against 
righteous, unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. Verse 19. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they were without excuse for although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. And here's where we are. They exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. They replaced the message. They replaced what creation was called to point us to. They replaced it. They ignored it. They reassigned it. And they've given their object of love and attention and glory to lesser things. Let me ask you, can you see the glory of God? Are you hearing the invitation of the orchestra symphony that's declaring, behold your God, breathe in the power and the goodness and the glory of God is. You might be like, well, how? I mean, I've been ignoring it. I've reassigned the message. I've replaced the glory with something else. How do I get back? What do I do to fix this? Here's what we can do. Look up. Look up. That's the beauty of the one who sends the message day after day after day. Stop looking down. Look up and look up expectantly. Did you catch that portion in Romans 1? For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that he's made. Look up. Look up. That might look different ways to you. It might be on the way home, keeping your eyes on the road, but you're looking out. You're looking. You're noticing things. You're turning the radio off. You're listening and looking. Have you ever driven with the windows down, the sunroof open, or maybe you're like, that's the only way I can drive. I have no AC in my car. Whatever it is, listen to it. Instead of just going home and getting in the bed, walk outside for five minutes. Take your shoes off. Walk in the grass that you couldn't walk in a few days ago. And wow, God's restored this day after day, a new message, a restoration, a replenishment of joy. Look up. Look up when things are frozen. Look up when we're struggling with our weight. Look up when we're struggling with our finances, when we're struggling with relationships. Look up. Look up when others wound us. Look up when others hate us and work against us. Look up when we feel dejected and rejected and cast out. Look up. There's a message for you. Look up when you've fallen, when you struggled last night to overcome sin. Look up when you feel ashamed. 
Look up every day. Look up every night. Look up every place. Look up everywhere. Look up from every tongue. God's got a message for you. And the message is this. This is just the run out. Come in deeper. Come in and look in deeply. And that's what we're going to look at next week. Everything you're seeing generally is just the run out. The invitation is come join in. Come be a part. Come to Christ. We read it earlier in Colossians. I'll close with this text in Philippians. In Philippians, we read about Christ. It says, He who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. This is the one who says to you, the one who created all of these things that you're looking at in these screens. He says, I've created them, but I'm going to humble myself so that you can come to me. This is my run out. Come to me. I'm the story. I'm the message. I'm the one that gives eternal life. Have you done that? Look up. God's inviting you. Come to Christ. It goes on, it says that God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Creation is sending a message. The handiworks of God are saying, come, come, glorify God. Come, behold the beauty of everything I have. Come and see it fulfilled in Christ. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your beauty. We thank you for your greatness. You are great. We must come into an all-awareness of you. Help us. Help us who are struggling this week in whatever dynamic to look up and look at you, your love story that you've given to us, your, the Savior that has come for us. Lord, let us run to you. Let us look for you every day and every night. Thank you, God, for being that committed to your glory and that committed to our joy.